play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Maligno. With me, fresh out of an intro workshop shop in Oklahoma City, is Josh Crocker. What's good, Josh? Hey, hey, how's it going? Hey, man. <laughs> I like that excitement. This guy sounds more confident today. Also with us, you know, always with us. A man who claims that he can't taste shapes, Adam Cahill. What's up, man? Wait, I can't take what? You said you can't taste shapes, man. You said you wanted to get rid of those one of those pretzels in that tweet earlier today. Man, all right. So context. The tweet was about if you had to get rid of one of the items of Chex Mix, which item would you get rid of? And I said one of the two different types of pretzels because shapes don't change taste. I'm just saying. I think they do. <laughs> I think they do. Just for the record. I think the shape. You think circles matter. taste different than window shapes? Yeah, I'm thinking. First of all, it's a square, not a window. And no, it's uh, a window shape. <laughs> once, once you put the cross in the square, it becomes window. Josh, tiebreaker: Is it a window or a square? If it's got the if it's got the lines in the middle, it's a window. Well, you guys are lame. <laughs> yes, you guys are lame. Um, all right, cool. So, window shape tastes definitely different than a circle. I'm going with circles all day. Um, but yeah, this is this is good. This is really good. I'm excited about this. I love our episode today because this episode does not have a guest. I don't mean that to like slight guests. I enjoy having guests on, but like this is yeah. uh, you know, like it feels like a, the OG type episode. You know what I mean, like it's just us, just the guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. Think so. I don't think so. I was gonna start singing just the two of us, but Josh is here. Yeah, he ruined that. <laughs> it once was just the two of us. You know that, Josh? You kind of. I don't know the theme song to Three's Company, but if I did, I'd start right now. <laughs> Man, this show has changed a lot over the years. And uh, yeah, it's good, though. Josh is here. We're excited about it. We're excited about it. Anyway, listen, no guests this week. Last week, we had Jordan on. It was a great episode. A long episode. We had a lot of fun. So we changed the pace. Just us back together again today. Um, how's everyone doing? Josh, you doing good, man? Yeah, fantastic. Anything new going on in your life? So the other day, I was downtown in Oklahoma City, and we were we were walking along the sidewalk. It's like a major thoroughfare, right? So there's there's people around, and we see this guy coming towards us, and he's got headphones in, and he's talking real loud. So I thought he was just on a phone call, but as we're walking, a runner goes past us and meets that loud guy, and he just like drop kicking right in the chest just absolutely lays this runner out flat wait wait and so who drop kicked who the guy talking to himself the got drop kicked like talking to himself he drop kicked somebody or he got drop kicked drop kicks this guy oh, this damn. runner damn yeah yeah so the two of them start fighting right and i, I started yelling at him and the guy that was that had drop kicked the other guy just he just like decided to leave. He just I will say leave. that if I was unexpectedly drop kicked and I got up even to fight anything after that, I would consider that a win. Yeah, yeah. that that runs really well. <laughs> Guys, 
we get to play a version of one of my favorite game shows. It's Guess That Drug. Uh, what drugs is that guy on? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's some crazy. Yeah, man. I, I see some crazy stuff in Chicago. I don't think I've ever seen somebody get dropkicked before. That's a new one. That's uh, that's that's. Disturbing. What's the drug of choice in Oklahoma right now, Josh? I mean, that, I, that's, that's like math. math. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like math. <laughs> that was gonna be. That was gonna be my guess. Meth is the drop the, kicking. The, the game show that is very sad. The drop kicking drug. drug. Got it. So if you're ever looking to drop kick somebody, it sounds like meth is the way to go. However, we are not experts, so we will not tell you professionally. That's that's the, that's the move. Um, so that's interesting. So you've had some interesting moments, Josh. It sounds like you've had an exciting past weekend here, past week. Whenever it was this was. wild, man. And then, so then afterwards, this guy just walks away, and we just walk away, and it was just like just dusted off. Because what else are you gonna do? Yeah. Wow, that that is Oklahoma. Wow. <laughs> so so wait. All right. So the guy who gets dropkick. Yeah. Does he just like get up immediately and start fighting this guy? Like, how quick is his reaction time? Like, how so hard did he get kicked? He got kicked hard enough that I'm sure his back hit the ground, and he got up and hit that guy. Like, he he threw the next punch. I mean, as, as you would. <laughs> I, I think if someone punches you, you probably have every right to punch back. If someone drop kicks you, you. <laughs> You can basically do whatever you want at that point. That's uh, I was shock. I was yeah, absolutely in shock. I, I, yeah, I can only imagine. I'm sure that guy was too after the fact, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go out on huh. a limb. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that both guys were on meth. Because <laughs> to get up after someone drop kicked you unexpectedly and still throw the next punch, that's impressive. That's drug. That's drug behavior. That is a drug, and yes. that drug is adrenaline. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Well, I don't know if you could have anything as eventful as uh, Josh, Adam, but anything interesting in your neck of the woods? I don't know. I won two parlays on UFC 251, so that was cool. Nice. That, nah, nothing, you, you, are you doing any on today? There's a fight tonight, are there? I know. No, because we were going to be recording, and I knew I wasn't going to be watching it. I didn't feel like studying the card on just a couple days' notice, so... I'm um, hoping by the time that we're done here, I can catch the main event still, but uh, we'll see what happens. You hear that, folks? He studies. We study here at Clock Dodgers. We do study. Yeah, I mean, it, well, in that sport, watching film matters. It's no, weird. film matters, <laughs> folks. Film matters. All right, man, listen. I've had nothing eventful going on here either except for Corona, so we could just move on from that, right? I mean, there's nothing to say. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I've had a little experience with Corona here. My wife's uh, mother has Corona, so... My anxiety is. I mean, tell you, she took her mother-in-law to the hospital, and then later found out that she had it. Yeah, yeah. So she took her. Her mom was not feeling good for a few days. She had actually got tested for it um, because she got one of those pings on her phone, like saying, "Hey, you've been in the vicinity or something with somebody who has Corona or COVID, whatever." And so she was like, ah, "I guess I'll get tested." You know, like that's what you're supposed to do next. And then I don't know if she. I don't know if she was sick at that point. I don't think she was. And then got gradually more sick. And then uh, she took her to the hospital, which I was like, I didn't know this was happening. I was like, come on, this could have been a better way to do this. I might want to call an ambulance. But, you know, people don't want to even get in ambulances these days. And obviously, you know, some people don't even want to feel like they have Corona. If they had it, they're like, I don't got it. It's not what this is, you know. So she took her. And then after the fact, found out she had it. So now I'm at like crazy anxiety in my house. 
Because now I'm like, hey, my wife came in contact with someone with Corona. Now she's bringing it home. This sucks. Um, but she's back there in the room. I've bolted it up so she can't leave. I didn't bolt it up. But she's in the back room and um, not sleeping in that room, not going in that room, trying to keep the kids away. It's, it's crazy, man. It's like it's kind of impossible to do this the right way and keep it all, you know, how you're told to do it. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. She thinks she took all the proper precautions to not, you know, get sick. She was wearing a mask, gloves, all that stuff just in case because she didn't trust her mom maybe having it. Her mom was wearing those things too, so... Hopefully everything's on the up and up. Definitely could uh, use any positive vibes here. Uh, but yeah, our mom, I mean, I think she's already, you know, I don't, I don't want to say she's doing better, but she left the hospital. Uh, she didn't want to stay there. So I guess it's a good sign that she had that choice. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it all fares. But yeah, that's what's going on in this household today. <laughs> it's a lot, man. Well, I mean, we'll all be, you know, thinking about you guys. And I mean, obviously at this point, I, I just wish your mother-in-law the best. I mean, it sounds like obviously if they were able to release her, that that's you know that's a great sign in regards to where she's probably at. So, I mean, it, it's it's a scary thing because we still don't. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I have a clear understanding of how it impacts people on an individual level, and it seems to be pretty random. So yeah, I mean, the, all you can do is take every precaution and, and hope for the best. And I mean, it sounds like you guys are doing that. So just you know. You'll be in our thoughts and, you know, just keep yourself as safe as you can. For sure. Yeah, really, like, turn the world upside down for a couple of days. I mean, like, I mean, obviously have to move differently now, even until she gets tested to find out to make sure she doesn't have it or whatever. But, like, it's just kind of you got to move differently. And now she can do less. I have to do more. And it's just like everything kind of, you know, it's just kind of weird walking in my house with a mask, <laughs> like in certain rooms and stuff. I'm afraid, like, ah, put a mask on. Uh, so, oh, it's yeah. like, so it's like, it's crazy. And, you know, she doesn't, she thinks she's fine, but. I don't want to catch this shit for nothing, man. Well, so. let's definitely hope she is, man. Let's yeah. definitely hope she is. How, how long ago did she last become in contact with her mother? Like two or three, two, I think two days ago. Okay, so you guys have a couple days under your belt, but you probably have another five more before, you know, you can feel safe about something's not showing up. Yeah, so hopefully but by even ne- then, there's like asymptomatic and stuff, so right. yeah, it's important to get tested. So ho- hopefully by next episode, we know whether Josh's dropkick or the COVID incident or worse. <laughs> uh, we'll have an update for you guys. Um, but other than that, guys, let's get into some football. Let's get into some football. Let's let I, we, you know, we've been focusing on Scott Fishbowl because that's what's been happening a lot, obviously, for us and for a lot of the listeners. Um, actual football is, you know, news trickles in here and there. Things happen. But the Scott Fishbowl is a thing that, you know, we're, we're super into right now. Dynasty football, obviously, for those who are playing year round like us, too. Um, and there's value here in redraft as well. But let, let's we want to kind of focus this episode on the Scott Fishbowl because all three of us are done. Um, last I checked, I'm in the one of the group chats for uh, pick 12, and some of them were still going. So um, there's some leagues that are still going, which is crazy to think about. But I guess there's been people with busy schedules or just taking really long to draft. But we want to talk about some of the stuff we did, some of the players. We're going to kind of talk about more so the players, though, because I don't want to get too into our team specifically because – I don't know. You don't want to just talk about yourselves, even though everyone can relate because they have players on their teams. But let's just talk about the more of the players that we got and how we feel about things, not necessarily our team specific. Um, we'll start with trust issues. Josh helped out a lot here on this uh, on this uh, whole show list that we have today. So shout out to Josh for a lot of the assistance on this one. The first one we have here for trust issues. What was that? Travis Kelp, all scores Dalvin Cook. Just in total points, 
So Travis Kelsey outscores Dalvin Cook. Raw season total points. Trust issues or trust? Um, who wants to go first here? Josh, do you want to go first? Or Adam, do you want to go first? You know what? I'll jump in. Okay. And, and again, this is Scott Fishbowl scoring, right. correct? Important. All right. Yeah. So I think this is a super interesting question because, uh, I mean, just from a points per game standpoint, last year, Dalvin Cook was at 22.3 points per game. And uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, where were you, bud? He was just below that, I thought. I've got it. We don't have the same numbers. I failed the world. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got twenty-one point one. So yeah, they were super close. Um, I mean, from a historical standpoint, when I was looking over the positional scoring, it seemed like uh, even though positionally it seemed like last year was an up year for running back and Scott Fishbowl scoring overall, it was actually kind of a down year. Um, even in 2018, there were a lot more players that sustained over 20 points per game, uh, which seems like a threshold for kind of an elite player in the scoring system. So I think that there is probably a higher probability that, you know, a running back outscores a tight end in this format. That being said, Travis Kelsey year over year is just dominating the tight end position. I mean, I don't think we've ever had anyone this consistent. I mean, even when you had Rob Gronkowski, when you had Jimmy Graham, these guys, the, the amount of consistency that Travis Kelsey has shown now just makes me feel extremely confident in him. So I think in this format, I want that confidence. So I feel more confident about Travis Kelsey. So I'd probably say Travis Kelsey, but it's so close. I mean, both these guys are neck and neck. Josh, I know you, you put this one together. So how do you feel on this one, Josh? I would take Kelsey over over Dalvin Cook, and to be fair, he was ahead of him in ADP. But it just seems, looking at it, it seems like something that could be a close call. Um, so historically, what I've got here is the tight end one finishes right behind the the QB one, QB two, and the wide receiver. So to to pick Dalvin to be Kelsey, you sort of have to be picking him to be the RB one or two. And that's that's a pretty high, a pretty tall order. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, ob- obviously, we all like Travis Kelsey, and obviously, in this scoring, it matters a lot. So, I mean, but you guys think it's? I mean, I don't think it's far fetched to think that Dalvin Cook no, outscores I, Kelsey. I think I think it's like a hair. I think it's literally yeah. a hair. I, I mean, would say I, I would Dalvin take Cook. it. I have Dalvin Cook. Full disclosure. So it's like, but if Travis Kelsey was there, I would have drafted Travis Kelsey over Dalvin. Yeah, I, I also have Dalvin Cook, but I think I would have taken Dalvin Cook also if if um, if Kelsey was there, I still would have did it. Um, obviously, my situation is different because I could technically took them both, but uh, yeah, I, I would still take Cook. I want those elite uh, running backs out the gate. Uh, Kelsey, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. My situation was different, so it's kind of hard to you know gauge it off just my experience because <laughs> I was that twelfth pick. But just generally speaking, I, I still think I would take Cook, man. I just – I want those game-changer running backs, so I'm going to go opposite of you guys and take Cook here. Um, but I get it. I get it. I definitely get it. But I just don't – I wouldn't do it. So we, we kind of split on that. I have I have trust issues with uh, Kelsey over, over Cook, but I don't know how we ordered this one. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have trust issues. I'm, I'm going to take Cook. 
So you guys will take Kelsey. I take Cook. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, the next one, Derek Henry outscores Austin Eckler. This one's interesting. You got, you know, your guy that everyone looks at as the running back who's just a workhorse. They don't really look at him as a pass catching type of running back. And then you got a guy like Eckler who, you know, people thought originally was just a pass catching type of back in a way. Um, but he's proved he's way more than that when when uh, Gordon was out. And now he's kind of like, you know, a darling to some people. A lot of people love him. A lot some people don't believe in him at all. Um, but I'm curious if either of you uh, will actually jump out here and say Eckler. I will. You will? Yeah. I'll say, I'll say Austin Eckler. That, like, you have two efficiency queens here, right? And Derrick Henry is the team efficiency queen. And Austin Eckler his efficiency is based in things that are more repeatable because they're more local to him. It's about his efficiency in the passing game. And I would just be more willing to bet on his ability to repeat that compared to Derrick Henry's bet, which relies on Ryan Tannehill and some other situational things. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know, man, that, that is a, so, 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 what if you had to pick one thing that that is going to push you from Eckler to Henry? You're saying is what? I think that Eckler has like unique and repeatable skills that are are more compatible with today's NFL. And I think that Derrick Henry, he, like he's clearly a unique athlete, but I don't think that he can move a team the same way a player who plays in the passing game can. Hmm. Am I going to agree with you guys on every one here? Adam, where do you go on this one? Nope. Oh, well, I'll at least disagree. Cause okay. I, I mean, <laughs> it, to me, it's a question of sustainability and it, it, I just, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple offenses that I struggle with the consensus perspective on right now. And the Chargers are a huge one. I feel like people don't think that they're going to miss a beat in their passing offense from what they were with Phillip Rivers. And Austin Eckler, I mean, he's not a running back. I mean, traditionally, he's a guy who's maybe going to top out at 150 carries. I mean, it's, it's just not his style. So when you you know, are betting on him as a top 10 running back, you're betting on his passing efficiency. And I mean, last year he caught 90 passes. I don't know if Tyrod Taylor and I mean, how are they going to get him that sort of volume? I just, I don't see them being as successful as a passing offense this year. Um, So for me, I have more concerns about the sustainability of how Austin Eckler produces in that offense Whereas Tennessee, I mean, they just locked down Derrick Henry to a huge contract after locking down Brian Tannehill to a huge contract. They know what they want to do. They are dedicated to using him as the focal point of that offense. And the guy is just a work. I mean, he is the definition of a workhorse. The second they start passing the ball to Derrick Henry, he is the RB1. He is up there with Christian McCaffrey and I mean, he's probably ahead of Saquon if they pass the ball to him. So, for me, it's Derrick Henry, both with floor and potential ceiling. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows I love Eckler. There's no question about it. 
Um, but if I if I was faced with this, I'm gonna f- take the the Henry side. I'm definitely gonna lean Henry. Um, it's funny that Josh takes Eckler. I'm kind of surprised, Josh. I'm kind of surprised. I don't think that we've really seen very many good examples of a player just being gifted passing volume. Yeah, no, no. I I get the Eckler thing. Like I I love Eckler. I've I loved him last year. You know, I had the tweet Eckler over Gordon. Like. I love Eckler, man, and I love seeing him get this opportunity too because, you know, for a second there, I didn't think he would even ever get this chance. There's just certain guys like this, like, you know, kind of like how you love Duke Johnson and just never gets that chance that you want. Austin Eckler got that chance. And um, so, so I love it. Um, I just – I don't think I could put him above Henry, man. I just – I'm stuck there. Um, well, I want to. I mean, I want to, but I just can't. So, for me, Derrick Henry outscoring Austin Eckler, I trust. I trust. Can, can we actually stick on that for a moment, yeah. though? Because I'm really curious to hear your guys' perspective on what you think Austin Eckler is going to do as a rusher next year. Because you're both much higher on him as just a player overall than I am. I mean, to me, he's he's like elite Danny Woodhead. Like, he's going to, like, if he has another 90-catch season, yeah, dude, he's going to be worth this value. I just don't see the sustainability in that. I mean, he had... 39 catches the year prior. So it's a giant jump up in production. I think that, you know, he's obviously not going to fall off a cliff, but where do you see him do? Like, how do you see him producing as a runner? And then furthermore, if he doesn't get a large amount of carries there, which I just don't think is possible, who is the rushing option with Melvin Gordon being gone? Why would it not be Austin? Why would they do something else? I mean, you have three years of data that show that they don't want to. Um, I mean, if you think in the fourth year of his career, he's going to spike from being a guy who maxed out last year at 132 carries and he's going to receive 200 plus. I mean, it's it's possible. I just don't I don't bet on things like that. To me, that that doesn't make any sense. Uh, But if 132 carries makes a top five PPR back, like I don't really care how many carries he gets this but year. But that's not what did that to him. It was well, the 90 catches and the 900 yards and the eight receiving touchdowns, which I don't think I are think, sustainable. Well, the, the touchdowns are debatable for sure. Like that could easily fall down. But he's also playing zero games with Melvin Gordon this year. Could, I. I think that his season last year was because of him, not because of circumstance. And I think that this season will again be because of him. Yeah, I, I will. St- I, I will say that um, the the the, peop- the the players that they have behind him don't give you any threat um, to believe that the Chargers don't believe in him as a running back. Because when Melvin Gordon was there, I get it, right? Like I'm not even the biggest Melvin Gordon fan, but no one can deny that he's a, you know a pretty good player. When you got guys like Justin Jackson and Kelly. Um, you don't feel like, oh, they're definitely going to push Austin Eckler out the way. Like, you know, I just feel like those are guys who are going to give him a breather and be the change of pace and and whatnot, maybe a goal line guy, however you want to look at it. But to, you know, even if you don't believe in Eckler, even if you don't believe the Chargers don't believe in him, like, well, what are they going to replace him with? Unless there's something that's going to happen that we don't know about yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I mean, really, that's my big question. And I guess from Josh's perspective, it's, you know, they think that he can handle the volume and they're going to give it to him. I don't see that. 
looking at how they've used him historically and even how they used him last year when he was hyper efficient. Um, that being said, when I look at the rest of the options in that backfield, I'm only left with questions. And right. the only answer to those questions is they think this guy's a workhorse. But everything about him says that he hasn't been. That's not to say that he can't be, which I guess is Josh's perspective. I just think that's a really crazy thing to bet on. I think if I'm if I'm betting, I don't want to be paying the value, which uh, essentially where you have to draft him or where you had to draft him in the Scott Fishbowl, you're basically paying for him to be a workhorse of sorts. Right. I, I, he's going around those guys that are really fringe workhorses. Right. So, so besides my point that I don't believe in the guys behind him, also Josh's point is he doesn't care if he's a workhorse. He thinks that he still can put up workhorse production without workhorse carries. Am I right, Josh? He was yeah. the PPR, in PPR. He was the number four back, and I took him at ten. So he's being discounted. It's interesting. It is interesting. I really hope, just for the sake of football and fantasy football, he does get the chance to be the workhorse. Because I want to see how this thing plays out. <laughs> I don't want to see him do well at it, man. Because I'm a fan, and I would love to see a guy like him get the chance you know, to be a workhorse. It, it, it's kind of a big experiment, right? There, is there any, anyone that we could relate to him as far as a workhorse with his qualities? Like his, is there a comparison? I mean, Christian McCaffrey seems like a reach, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really <laughs> put him in that group. I mean, I can't think of a single player historically that has had three seasons of, you know, a, sub 150 carries and then all of a sudden gets 200 plus out of no, like I, I, that's, that's why I struggle with him is because I just don't, I don't see how that. He doesn't need to carry. But that's what I'm saying. I think that he does because I don't see how that offense is going to translate to the passing efficiency they had last year with Phillip Rivers. I don't see that dude. Tyron Taylor is not going to come in and throw the ball 90 times to Austin Eckler. He's not that quarterback. So I just – I don't see how he produces in that way. Personally, I just don't see it unless he's given a workhorse role and starts running the ball at just a, a much higher clip. And I don't think it has to be insanely high because he's still going to catch, you know, 60, 70 balls. Right. So more than likely, if he hits 200 carries, I mean, just based on volume alone, he's going to have some really nice production. But 200 carries for a guy who last year hit his career high over the course of three years at 132 carries, I mean, that's a huge increase, man. You're talking an increase of 50%. I just don't see that. I hear you, man. I think the point that the, the Chargers might miss a beat with Tyrod instead of Rivers could be fair. Like, the, if the – if the offense just contracts overall, then that's a fair point. But I, I'm excited to see what they can do with with what they've got. I think I think it could be a very exciting offense. All right. Well, we we see where we all stand on this as far as um, as far as Adam saying, you know, for him to believe in Eckler at the place he's going at, he feels like he needs workhorse carries. Um, Josh and I disagree with that, um, but it's not that Adam's saying he's bad. He just would like to know where those carry what's happened with those carries because if it's not for those carries, he's 
concerned about the placement of them, um, which is all fair. It's all fair. And I'm sure people are on both sides of that with us. Um, let's move on to the next one we have here. Uh, trust issues. DJ Moore deserves a third round pick. Trust or trust issues. Adam, jump all over this. All the trust issues in the world, because <laughs> uh, we're talking Scott Fishbowl format. And this guy, I mean, he had an ADP of uh, wide receiver 45.6, which would be like mid-fourth round. Um, so third round wouldn't be like a crazy reach. It's like a half-round round reach. Um, personally, I, I mean, DJ Moore from an like, historical age standpoint, I mean, he's everything you could ever want in a prospect. My concerns are, I, I mean, it's actually really similar to the conversation we were just having around Austin Eckler in the Chargers offense, which is my concerns are around Teddy Bridgewater and that Carolina offense. Um, everyone seems to love this offense. I mean, if, the, if there is a Arizona Cardinals of this year from a uh, how people feel about them or, or even like a Cleveland Browns of, of last year or years past when baker came in i mean that that seems to be the fantasy echo around the carolina panthers this year everybody just loves their playmakers i mean people are talking up i mean obviously christian mccaffrey's the number one overall pick dj moore is getting pushed up draft boards and then literally you know teddy bridgewater's getting pushed up you've got uh curtis samuel getting pushed up i mean robbie anderson gets pushed up there's just Every one of their options is getting pushed up draft boards, and I'm not as confident. I think that Teddy Bridgewater is a dink and dunk quarterback. Um, I think that DJ Moore will rack up a ton of catches. I mean, I could definitely see him getting as high as 100 catches. Um, so that in itself might be how he produces his value. But as far as like that overall offense being super productive, I'm I'm, I'm more skeptical. Now. Josh, you're the DJ Moore guy. You're the guy who did pick him in the third round. What do you say to what Adam just said? I just kept looking at at these wide receivers going up the ranks, and I just kept having to say, well, I'd just rather have DJ Moore. And so, like, I wasn't trying to get as far out on this limb as I could. I was just trying to make what I felt like was a sound decision. And DJ Moore is is a player who has checked every box coming up along the way, still has a ton of upside, and he's not being drafted where I think he should be. And where I mean, do you think the third is where he should be, or do you think he's better than that? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I think that's I think that's like fair price. I think that I when I drafted him in the third, I had a tough choice to make between him and Godwin. And by the time I got another pick, I did not have any of like my third or fourth choices. So it was DJ more than or never. And I, I got the guy I want. Yeah. I mean, that, that's fair. I know we talked about this on the podcast last week, right? This is when you were faced between a guy like Julio Jones or him. And Jordan gave you a lot of crap. We all kind of did about you taking DJ more over Julio. See, when I face a situation like that, then I say, you know, I don't want DJ Moore in the third because I want Julio over him. But it just depends on, you know, what's happening. Did, did we see where he went in the Scott Fishbowl mostly? I saw him in the fourth and fifth. Fourth and fifth? Yeah, his his ADP, like I said earlier, was 45.3, 45. which would be mid-fourth round. Okay. 
I mean, obviously, it just looks better there. <laughs> Third round is just you saying you like him a lot and don't want to not get him. It's just, it's not as far apart as what people think it is. So, like, for example, Julio Jones in 2019, he was 18.3 points per game. Okay. And he's kind of a late career player. DJ Moore in 2019 was 15.4. So he lost about two and a half, three points on him. Okay. But just based on the history of players who have had very similar seasons and then looking at the next season after that, they're they're going to get somewhere between 10 and 16 points per game. Both of them. Looking at looking at Rotoviz's historical projection projection machine. Uh, like Julio Julio comes out a little bit higher, like instead of 10 to 16 he's maybe 12 to 17 but julio also comes with a lot more downside yeah it's definitely interesting i mean i'm definitely not as high on dj Moore, um but you know it's like a historical breakout i mean what he's doing at his age is is phenomenal um i just i think he's a guy that weekly present is going to present like a really high floor but is not going to have a lot of ceiling weeks and even if you just look at like his production last year it kind of dictates that i mean he had two games where he had like really high production but he had a ton of games like if you're just looking at a standard pbr league i mean he had eight games over 15 points but he only produced three games over 20 and only one game over 30 um so like for me, if I'm drafting as a wide receiver one, I just want a guy who has more, like, huge weak upside. And maybe that comes from drafting a ton of best ball and often drafting specifically for guys who have those huge spike weeks. But for me, I've always just found that that's really an effective way to approach redraft as well. And just, like, around where he's going, I'd rather have a guy like Kenny Galladay, who I think just presents a greater level of upside. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's far off. Yeah. As far as from a trust or trust issue standpoint, I don't, I don't have an issue saying trust. Um, if it's just a guy, you know, that you love for whatever reason. Um, I mean, I took Chris Godwin in the third as my wide receiver one. Um, I'm not sure how much you will love him more than DJ Moore. I mean, like, I don't know, you know, he has Mike Evans there. He has Tom Brady, all this kind of stuff. I mean, so if I'm in love with Chris Godwin and I'll pick him there, then I understand your love for DJ Moore and picking him there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I think that's where we can we can leave the Chris uh, the DJ Moore situation. Um, I did add a couple of uh, trust issues here that I just want to touch on really quick with you guys. The first one is uh, Jarek McKinnon will play a full season in 2020. Trust or trust issues? Trust issues? Obviously. <laughs> Come on, bud. Nah, I can't you, do this, man. You just like want to believe. You might as well have also said Josh Gordon. He's going to play a full season. Like, come on. I mean, I, I hate to I hate to be a downer, but he just historically doesn't. Um, I don't know. He Like, I, I'm, I'm one of those people, too, who say that, like, you know, the injury prediction stuff is, is a lot of hooey and nonsense. But there are certain guys where it's just, like, it, it's just – it's gone on so long that – it, it's hard to it's hard to see at this point in his career that yeah plays a full season. 
Maybe. I mean, I hope I hope for his sake it happens. My guy, Jarek McKinnon, took a pay cut. San Francisco has still gave him a shot. They're still giving him a shot because they love him. He's looked great in those videos. He's, he's looked great in that video, those workout videos. Um, now I'm holding out hope, man. I'm holding out hope. I'm going to continue to hope. You guys know I'm a, I'm a you know, a guy that believes, man. I just want to see him play, man. I want to see him do well. We had those little flashes so brief that I just want to believe. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Josh is in your boat, even though he'll believe in a guy like Duke Johnson, but won't give my boy Jarek any love. But I want to believe in Jarek, man. I'm all for it. I'm here. I, I just think that he probably only plays a full season if he's taking like 20 snaps a game. Man, Jarek McKinnon was Austin Eckler before Austin Eckler. Let's just you know honest. what? Like that's that's pretty much fair. Let's just be honest. Let's just call it what it is. Just just call it what it is, guys. I I want to see it, man. I'm just not betting the mortgage yet. <laughs> the last trust issue that I have here is when someone tells you their dog doesn't bite. Trust or trust issues? Oh. <laughs> trust <laughs> issues. <laughs> My dogs usually do pretty well on that. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, I also, I'm not going to lie is what I said last week for this. Um, but seriously, I have people come to my house sometimes and my dogs are out and I go, I oh, don't worry. They don't bite. And I hate being the guy that says that because as soon as I say it, I go, oh, God, I hate when people say that. But at the same time, they do pretty good. I have faith in them. So, but yeah, it, generally speaking, when someone says that, I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. I'm not taking the chance, but I was just curious where you guys were at. Neither one of you were like, I don't give a damn what dog it is. I'm trusting it. Some people are like that. You can just tell. Like I went, I went over to a person's house. It was a group run. I'd never been there before. I'm walking up their driveway and their dog is going nuts. And she's holding this dog by the harness. But like you can tell that the dog was not making I'm going to eat you sounds. It was just like it wanted to be petted. You can just tell. Is it petted or pet? Petted. Okay. If you say so, teach. Um, <laughs> I will say that I don't know if you guys ever had them in your area, but I one time I got out of my car and someone had, I guess, one of those invisible fences. I don't know if it was an invisible yep. fence or just two really uh, – dogs that follow directions but they had these two massive dogs in their yard and i got out of my car and they just started barking and like running towards me and i was like oh i'm dead i'm fucking dead <laughs> and then they just stopped and i'm like what i'm like is there one of those invisible fences here or are they just like super protective and they know their space i'm like that is crazy i thought for sure i was gonna like die i'm like i'm caught in the bad spot here and they were massive dogs and they looked super mean and they were barking. And so I got out of the car and I'm just like, how did they stop like that? I'm like, there's no way they're trained like that. There's no way they had that self-control. But yeah, no, it was crazy. That's probably an electronic fence. I was envious of that. I was envious of that house. I was envious of their dogs and the control and the protection. But yes, move on. Don't trust people who say their dogs don't bite. Uh, let's go on to rank them. Rank them, rank them, rank them. We have the first one here, best value. Um, again, guys. These are coming out of Scott Fishbowl. Um, that's where these uh, landing places and stuff are coming out that we're trying to relate these to. Uh, Tyler Boyd, who was wide receiver 21 in 2019, at wide receiver 33. Is that my pick? I think it was yours. Okay. Yeah, I got Tyler Boyd, so that's probably mine. Uh, the next one we have here is Kurt Cousin uh, with QB6 at QB10. Who got him, uh, Josh? That was me. Okay. And Edelman, wide receiver 5. At wide receiver 26. Um, that was probably Adam. I also got Edelman too, but that was probably Adam. Um, so best value, if you have to rank these, Adam, where are you going? Well, I think that's interesting because if, if you put mine on there, that means I probably got Edelman later than you did. 
um, which means it's a better value and you drafted him. So I got to put Edelman at the top. <laughs> um, but Tyler Boyd is literally like right there. Um, for me, I, I think Edelman just has more historical consistency, but that historical consistency is based around Tom Brady. Um, so I don't know what that offense is going to look like and how Julian Edelman is going to be utilized. And I am a little bit fearful that the transition might cause him to not be as big of a focal point. Uh, and Tyler Boyd is more on an ascending offense, especially with Joe Burrow going there and his prospects literally being sky's the limit. I mean, that guy just, I think we forget. I honestly, drafting best ball, it looks like people forget he destroyed college football last year. He maddened college football last year. I mean, he he was a video game out there. And people are drafting him in like the 13th round, 14th round of best ball drafts right now. I think that's really interesting. And I think that Tyler Boyd, because of that, his potential is way higher. Uh, where Edelman, I mean... I don't know. It's so hard because Edelman just has like this historical consistency. I mean, he was the wide receiver five in this format last year. So it's like to say that Boyd has a higher higher ceiling than the guy who was just wide receiver five last year seems like a stretch. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I would say that if I had to rank him, it's Edelman with Boyd like right behind. And then uh, if you walk and then trip and then fall over (laughs) the side of this cliff and then fall. And then you go, ah, doof. And then you hit the bottom. That's where Kirk Cousins' value is. <laughs> Damn. That's... That was rude, right, Josh? Listen, Kirk Cousins is made for the SFB format. This guy was number six in completion percentage. He was number five in QBR. He was made for a completion percentage no. drift format. Drew he Brees al- was made for this format. But he cousins is boring. Damn. Boring boring will still pay the bills. And in, in my <laughs> quarterbacks, <laughs> that is just fine. Cousins can be boring. That is true. It does I don't pay know. the bills. He's also got Justin Jefferson coming in, who I think could be maybe this year's AJ Brown and do something similar to what he did for Ryan Tannehill to Kirk Cousins. What if Dalvin Cook gets hurt and Kirk Cousins has to actually play some football? Fair question. But not hearing it. And for the record, I got Edelman after you, Adam. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think so I, just, I just wanted to get something from all three rosters. <laughs> oh, interesting. What uh, what value did you get Edelman? I got Edelman at – where did it go? Hold on. I got him at well. You got him at what? It was seven. Uh, no, I, the wide receiver number. But oh, okay, okay, okay. So you're for him for you. It was wide receiver twenty six. For me, it was wide receiver thirty two. Okay, dang, yeah, that that's great value. Now you mad. actually got Tyler Boyd right after that. So yeah, that that's pretty. Um, not mad at it, man. Nope, definitely not. Not mad at that at all. <laughs> That could be a really big deal if Julian Edelman just keeps doing what he always does. Even if he doesn't do exactly what he did last year, right? Even if we take a step back and knock him down some, like, I mean, with Cam Newton, it should be nice, man. It should be decent. 
the interesting thing that I'm intrigued to see is how Josh McDaniels uses a mobile quarterback. Because I don't know if you guys remember, but the short period of time that Jacoby Brissett was their starter, that offense was crazy. Like, it was, it was basically what Lamar is, which is what's wild to think about. Um, I don't necessarily think they're going to go that way with Cam. I don't think they have to because Cam is a decent passer. Actually, he's above decent. He's a good passer. Um, so I think that he's going to have like this really wide open playbook. But I'm intrigued to see, especially with guys like Edelman, how they utilize him in the rushing game and how they are utilizing misdirections. And I think I think we're going to see some really, really interesting things in the Patriots this year. Yeah, it's going to be a fun team to watch. It's it's a lot of changes there, man. It's a lot of changes. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. I, it's going to be hard for us in, on these, probably with our own players, to go against ourselves, right? <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, you think <laughs> <laughs> so? All right. Um, biggest reach is the next rank them, and we got Dobbins at running back twenty nine in the seventh round. We have Waller at tight end five in the third round, and we have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback fifteen in the fifth round. Um, Josh, we'll let you start this one, man. I, the one that I'm the most worried about there is probably Ryan Tannehill because I'm just not sure that what we saw last year is the real Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I, I would like for it to be true because that means that A.J. Brown is also a real thing, but I'm I'm still nervous about Ryan Tannehill. Fifth round pick is a valuable pick. Hmm. So you like Kirk Cousins, and you're not afraid of Kirk Cousins, but you are afraid of Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk Cousins has a better track record than Ryan Tannehill. Mm. It, Josh, it's rank them. It's not name one. <laughs> well, rank, rank okay, reach. so reach would be Ryan Tannehill, and then it's probably uh, my Dobbins pick, and then after that, I think Waller had tied in five in the third round is fine. So you think your Dobbins reach is the is is worse than Waller? I I really wanted Waller. I, <laughs> I, I got picked off. Just a little bit upset about that. Yeah, I mean, when I drafted Waller, people there was people like in the draft that said, "Oh, good pick, good pick, good pick." But there were still people outside of the of that division that were like, "Ah, it's a little early for Waller, isn't it?" I'm thinking, listen, man. The third round, I feel like, is one of those places where you either settle or you reach a little bit. And I don't know. It was my pick. It was a reach, guys. I mean, just based on ADP alone, he was a fourth round value. I think that I definitely did reach on him there uh, personally, but I wanted to based on my build. Like, I, I honestly, looking at it in hindsight for my team personally, I wish that, well, I don't even know for sure, but I, I do see that there might have been value if I took George Kittle in the second where I took Drew Brees and then wouldn't have been forced to take Waller there and probably would have taken Matthew Stafford to pair with Kenny Galladay and gotten a nice little stack. So there are other ways that like when I look at a draft in hindsight, I, I do see little things where I kind of wish I played it differently. That being said, um, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like down on it by any stretch of the imagination, but Waller in the third does feel a little bit of like a reach. Um, Dobbins, he's one of those guys that I think presents a lot of upside, um, but I think that that's if you think Mark Ingram's dead. Um, 
He's over 30, so for fantasy, maybe he should be. But I drafted him, so I'm going to pretend that he's not. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, for Ryan Tannehill, QB 15, to me, that that's perfect. That's exactly where he should go. And Dobbins at, at running back 29, you're pretty much getting that value already baked in. It's a RB3. You're not really going to get him much lower than that. So to me, personally, I'd actually say I don't think any of these are reaches because mine would be the biggest reach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I took Waller early too, man. I mean, you know, considered, like I said, I took him at four four one, I think. Um, so not far behind you, you know. No, I, so, I took him at three eleven. So no, yeah, you basically did the same thing I did. So, yeah, yeah. And, and remember, I picked back to back, and I knew my picks wouldn't come back around for a while. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. I'm like at this point, you know, I either get the guy I love, or I'm gonna basically not have him. So, um, sure, you could play with fire when it comes to these guys, kind of like. You know, Josh is DJ Moore, um, you know, these kind of guys. Like, it just depends on how bad you want, guys. And in a league like this, man, you might as well get the guys you love. I mean, like, there's just so many different ways this is happening and played out. And it just doesn't even matter at that point. Like, if you got a guy you really love and you're like, his value is really next round or, you know, whatever. And you're like, why just, why why do it? You know what I mean? Because if I didn't take Waller there, I would not have got him and then I would have been pissed. (laughs) So it is what it is. Both of you guys, if I'm not mistaken, took him at tight end five. It, there was just one draft that was running a little bit hotter on tight ends. Just like I had to take I, – I took Austin Eckler in the second, but I took him at RB10. And I think RB10 probably doesn't go at 205 in every draft. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he was tight end five in every draft. The problem is that some people got him in the sixth round. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there was some people got him tight end six, tight end seven, but like, you know – we got him early compared to consider just considering the, the field. Like we got him early compared to a lot of people, but then again, there were people. Yeah. Who that's the wildness of the Scott fishbowl though. Every draft is so drastically different. All you can do is really just focus on your draft and how like it ebbs and flows. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the, the biggest problem potentially here. We have Terry McLaurin as your roster is wide receiver two, Austin Eckler, who we talked about earlier as your running back one, or Will Fuller as a weekly start on your roster? Um, like, I know, Adam, we talked before this. You don't really feel like there's a major problem here. Um, if you had to find, if you had to rank these, are you, I mean, is there, is it rankable for you? Or do you just feel like, you know, none of them are a big deal to you? Yeah, no, it would be Austin Eckler. I mean, he's kind of a fringe RB1, high end RB2, I think, in this format. I mean, that's kind of how he was drafted, too. I mean, he went into the RB12. Um, so I think that if he was your RB one, I, I wouldn't really feel super great about it. Um, because all the things that I outlined before that you guys can go back and listen to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, though, uh, for me, he'd be at the bottom of this list or he'd be the biggest problem. So I guess he'd be at the top of the ranking list for this category. Um, then for me, it becomes Terry McLaurin as your wide receiver two or Will Fuller as a weekly starter. To me, there is no such thing as a weekly starter. Like, I, unless you're drafting them in, like, the first three rounds, the likelihood that you're going to start them every single week is so crazy with how many injuries occur and how much people disappoint and how much production is related to matchups that I just – I hate that kind of thought process. For me, Will Fuller is just this crazy upside play that is going at a really nice value this year. I mean, they lost DeAndre Hopkins, and it has not really affected where Will Fuller's going in drafts. He's kind of going as like that 
low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, sometimes a wide receiver four. Um, in fact, I do want to check while I'm saying this where he actually did go in Scott Fishbowl ADP. Because um, to me, he just presents crazy upside. Um, so he went on average as the wide receiver 35. So almost as a fringe wide receiver four. Um, so for me, I just think he produces crazy upside. I mean, I, I think that it'd be foolish to say that Terry McLaurin even has the level of upside of the Wolf Bowler. Just based upon the offense, the quarterback, the historical production there. I mean, you don't have DeAndre Hopkins now. That's a huge, huge hole to fill. If Will Fuller stays healthy, I mean, the sky's the limit with that guy. Did, did you just slander Terry McLaurin for Will Fuller? Uh, yeah, I mean, if if you, like, I'd probably take Terry McLaurin before Will Fuller in drafts. But the reason for that is because of his, like, consistency and because that's where you have to draft him where Will Fuller right now is going so much later. But, dude, I mean, how can you ever have watched Will Fuller and not say, like, if this guy gets a healthy season, he's he's going to be a top-five wide receiver. I mean, Houston just bet on that by getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, which seems insane to all of us. But if Will Fuller ends up being like Chris Godwin was to Mike Evans last year, I mean, are we all going to look back and go, man, did, you know, no, we're actually going to still think it was idiotic to get rid of the <laughs> I can't believe I just kind of even like went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but yeah, in all in all reality, that's going to be an idiotic move regardless. That being said, it does open up this huge window of opportunity for Will Fuller. And, and I really, I don't know, I love the ceiling if he seizes it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Will Fuller fan. I've had him in Dynasty Leagues forever. I keep I keep on holding on to him as... Things tragically fall apart every year, um, but for me, and, I, and I'm rooting for him, and I would love to do for him to do great. He is my biggest problem on the list. On the list, though, um, the, the problem is I like all three of these guys, and so um, Austin Eckler as a running back one, um, whether or not he gets those 200 carries or not, to me isn't crazy out of this world. Um, Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver two, I love it. Obviously, I, I drafted him, um, and Fuller. While I love him. Um, my his my history with him says that I, I can't trust him on a weekly basis to start on my roster. So um, even half a season on my roster. <laughs> so it's like one of those things where it, it's the easy pick for me for the biggest problem, just because I'm concerned health wise, whether he can do it, you know. So um, just that alone, the other two being generally healthy guys um, throughout their careers, it just makes fully the easy pick for me as far as biggest problem. Um, Josh, where are you at with this? I, I agree that Austin Eckler as your RB1 is a problem. That's just like the position that I was put in because of taking Travis Kels in the first round, which I feel like is justifiable, but it, it leaves you chasing it running back. It just does. For sure. For sure. I mean, like you said, when you, when you, it's what you had to do. Um, you know, it's hard to point. I mean, if you didn't take Austin Eckler there, like what else would you have done? <laughs> right. I mean, well, I had to take I had I felt like I had to take Austin Eckler and I'd rather have Austin Eckler than like Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, 
I'd, I'd rather have him than all of those players. So that's how I ended up. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that on, over those guys. Um, Adam, would you think you would have went Eckler too in that if you were in Josh's shoes at that point? I I wouldn't have, but I wouldn't have like it wouldn't be that much later in the draft that I'd be looking at Eckler. I think he was a third round pick, and I think that's probably about where I'd have him. As far as like the other running backs in that range that you named, I mean, for me, I think Kenyon Drake just presents a more realistic upside. Um, so that would probably be someone that I would be targeting there over Austin Eckler, but it's close. Yeah. Um, probably not going to be drafting running back there. I think for me, there's just more dramatic teardrops where like once it falls off at running back, I'm just not targeting running back for like two, three rounds, probably like there's just so much wide receiver talent that it's just, to me, it's not worth taking the risk. Yeah. I definitely agree with you there. I've done that in the past in Scott Fishbowl and kind of let running backs fall. It did turn ugly at some points, but I definitely hear you on that. And totally unrelated, but when you mentioned Kenyon Drake, like I just feel like he's still not getting enough respect, man. I feel like, gosh, I feel like people are still missing the boat on this guy. I don't know. In in best ball drafts right now over on drafters, he's sometimes creeping up into the late second round. I mean, he's pretty stable third round pick. So to me, honestly, like that that should be about as high as he goes. If yeah. he starts going in the second round consistently, that's gonna be really tough to draft him there yeah. personally. Yeah. I see his value being worth that though. Like I, I like I like him being drafted where he's getting drafted, but I see he could outperform that draft position if that makes sense for me. Um yes, it's it's Eckler over Drake because it's targets over carries. Yeah, I'm Eckler over Drake, but I do like Drake a lot. Like I just traded for him in Dynasty. Even I got rid of I forget who it was, but I just I really do like Drake a lot. But I paid a lot for him too. It wasn't cheap. I probably lost on the deal overall, but I just like Drake, man. Um, all right, so let's move over to Fowler No Foul as we continue through here. Uh, the first Fowler No Foul that we have here is Derrick Henry's contract is worth it for a running back with his ability. Fowler, no foul, a very contentious topic as as fantasy Twitter crawl, crawls into the fetal position to see a running back get paid all this money with all this wear and tear. He can't possibly be worth it, right, guys? Fowler, no you know, Derrick Henry, like he's one of those guys that I don't really like betting against. I mean, when, when it comes right down to it, I'm, I'm going to – Betting behind Austin Eckler, you know, but it's like it's a tough decision. I don't like betting against him, and so I don't like saying he's not worth the money. He's he is a rare specimen. He is a statistical outlier, is what he is. <laughs> That's how he should be approached in this situation. Because yeah, I mean, he's one of those weird guys that you pay. I think. I mean. From, like, a sustainability standpoint, I think what he does on the football field looks to be sustainable for the length of the contract. I mean, they didn't sign him to something crazy. I think it's a four-year deal. To me, like, it makes sense with where that team's at and how they were able to structure Ryan Tannehill's contract. They know what kind of team they want to have there. I I, I would say I don't mind it, which is uh, surprising from uh, – someone who's pretty running backs don't matter yeah i mean it's derrick henry dude's a freak i'm not gonna lie i I expected you guys to slander this one man i i I know um you guys know i don't mind 
showing love to running backs. I don't mind them getting drafted in the first round. I don't mind them getting paid the big bucks. I don't mind it. As long as your team is going to make them a workhorse and they are going to carry your team and actually give your team wins all on their own standalone value, I'm here for it, man. So I have zero issue with it. I actually think it's good for the Titans to make this deal. Um, how, whether it plays out in favor, we'll see. Hopefully they win a Super Bowl with them and it makes all the sense in the world. Um, but I, ha- I have zero issue with it. And I know a lot of people hate it. I'm sure people are screaming that it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, and that's just the way these things work. Um, speaking of contracts, I'm, I could be totally off. This could be totally makes no sense. But I'm kind of curious what you guys think on this one. Not getting a new deal will affect Dak's performance this season. Foul or no foul. And no I say and, and I say that because just recently stuff came out that they were trying. He was he was he wanted a deal before this thing just closed off. Um, and his brother said I seen someone say his brother was upset on on Twitter or something. So my feeling is he did want a new deal, of course, and they didn't get it done for whatever the reason. And uh, I'm just curious if you guys think that will affect uh, Dak's performance this season. Foul or no foul? Yeah, no, no foul. I mean. I think that these type of things typically don't have much of an impact. I think this is a rare circumstance, though, with everything that's going on with COVID and the situations around the season. Like, if they play, we have no idea what it's going to be like, what the conditions are going to be like. And guess what, man? If you're in a bubble like they're doing with the NBA, it's going to matter whether you're making – is he he's still on his rookie deal right so a rookie contract no, i think versus, i think he signed a tender did he sign a tender yeah. if he signed a tender then maybe it's not going to impact him as much i i might you, you actually i think you're, i'm almost definitely sure you're right so yeah in, in that in that regard it's not like a drastic pay increase it's probably not going to affect him i initially was thinking that it was going to be like this this drastic pay difference and in that case because of the stress that's going to be put on the season something that i normally would think wouldn't matter might have more of an impact but yeah these are these are nfl pros i mean typically these things are not going to affect them once they got on the football field yeah he's scheduled to make 31.4 million this year franchise tag <laughs> i think he'll be just fine <laughs> any concern at all josh any concern at all i i'm still gonna draft Dak in the top five quarterbacks okay so okay. i guess I have a lot of concern <laughs> i guess you i would don't. rather see the cowboys playing pain but yeah all right. The last one I have for Fallon No Fallon. I actually seen this on Bleacher Report. I now forget the writer's name. Unfortunately, I apologize. Um, Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Bucks will not make the playoffs. Fallon No Foul. I think no foul. I think that could easily just happen. I mean, I, I don't think a quarterback can really drag a team to the playoffs, even if it's Tom Brady. So that's not that crazy of a thing. I'm going to say foul. They extended the playoffs to seven teams specifically just to try and make sure they could squeeze Brady <laughs> in there. So, like, you know, the rake, the rake's in. It's just, I I don't know, man. I, I, I think that the NFL is more fun if Tom Brady makes the playoffs. So why are we going to act like that's not what we all want? It, it makes it more interesting. So let's, yeah, I mean, let's give it to him. You were going, you, you were going down Conspiracy Street, and you tried to back off of it. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, a little bit. I, I mean, come on, they they expand to seven teams, right? As Brady leaves, goes to a new team. I don't know. I, I think that the Bucks very likely could be that seventh seed too. 
we'll see what happens. I, I think that they're going to be much closer to, you know, eight and eight than they are going to be 14 and two. But uh, I still think they make the playoffs. Yeah. Embrace your role as crazy conspiracy guy on the Clyde podcast, man. Can't make me. Josh has embraced his role as weak intro guy. I mean, take your <laughs> conspiracy guy and just run with it, all right? So mean. Never. <laughs> all right. That's it. That's all I have for Foul or No Foul. Um, let's move on to Show and Tell and then wrap this bad boy up. Um, show and Tell, I know Adam and Josh know, but if you're new to this show, this is our part of our segment. This is like back in elementary school. We're bringing it back where, you know, we share a product, an item, a podcast, a book, anything you want with the listeners because you want everyone to say, Oh, that's so cool. I want to try it. Um, example mine today. I know it's old to some people, but bruh, if you haven't watched Ozark Netflix, I started when it came out, I stopped. It's okay. Come back. Binge it. Like I did three seasons, knock it out in a couple days. You can be finished before the weekend. It's amazing. I don't know if it was slow to start. I forget. I don't know if that's why I stopped. I don't know if I just got busy. Whatever the reason was, I came back. I did not start from the beginning. I started where I left off at, and it was amazing. So push through, binge it. You'll finish before the weekend. It's amazing. I don't know when season four is coming out, but you only got three seasons to catch up on. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's a great show, great cast, great story, great everything. I I, I, I did tweet it, and I got a great response to it, so I know everyone loves it out there. Some people were kind of like, eh, I don't know. It wasn't amazing. I put it in my top five. Well, I don't know where you guys are at with it, but um, oh, it's in my top five for sure. That show's fantastic. It's a freaking awesome show, Josh. You always give us bad TV show stuff. Did you ever watch Ozark? I did watch Ozark. I, I love Jason Bateman. He's awesome. He is. He's a great actor. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a great show. Um, so anyone who hasn't seen it, definitely should see it. Um, I, I don't know when season four comes out, but I'm already amped up for it. Uh, they did. Did they, you know that season four is going to be the final season? I, I, I don't know if they announced it at the end of the show because I think it came up when I watched it. It said season season four will be coming or something like that. I don't know if they said it was the final, but I did see people on Twitter before I got into it thinking this was going to be the final season, right? And yeah, then so season four has been announced as the final season. They also said I believe they're expanding it to either fourteen or sixteen episodes and splitting don't it right? me on that. I think oh I think fourteen episodes they're expanding it to, um, but yeah, so they're doing an extended season, but it is the final. But when people watch this, though, did they think this was the final season at first? I don't believe so. Okay. okay. I, I definitely didn't. I okay. mean, if other people did, I can't speak the, to that, but I don't, I don't know that as the, being a thing. Yeah, the best comment I can give it is if this was the final season, it was done great. Like, if it was. I mean, like, this would have been perfect. So that's how Not good the show all. is. That, you can't. You I, I would have been fine with it. Series like that. I would have been fine with it. That's how good. So that's how I felt about it. It's a lot better than what a lot of my other favorite shows went down the path they went down. Uh, so, I mean, the show's fantastic, but I just think that you can't end the show there. <laughs> no, there's <laughs> definitely room. There's definitely room to go further. But you're telling me if it did stop there, you would be upset? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, you're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. I've been burned by too many shows at this point that I would have took that ending. <laughs> that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, Josh, do you have anything today, my man, besides drop kicking meth heads? Well, if, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> don't you don't right. want to get sued by the, uh, the crazy guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't need to hear from him. <laughs> I, you know what I did this week? And I I went to a live yoga class, and it was fantastic, man. What, more people should get out there and do that. What does live yoga class mean? Are they? You not- know what I mean? Like you actually go to it. 
As in how like everyone in person class. Okay, so in person class. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I didn't know what live. You meant. are the worst person to have on a podcast right now, dude. You're, <laughs> you're just out in public all the time and encouraging people to be like the rest of our states or anything like your COVID positive, mind you, governor, who is just letting you guys do whatever you want down there. <laughs> Listen, as I'm sitting here in the house, anxiety through the roof of Corona, my state yeah. It has is like the fourth largest of countries. <laughs> My state is the if it was yeah, a country. Everybody just go do yoga. Just go, go do be in a hot confined no. environment together. Just go ahead. Go do some hot yoga together. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. In this time, we're gonna get canceled because Josh is gonna get Corona. <laughs> listen, live yoga quickly turns to dead yoga right now, Josh. Please <laughs> do not tell our listeners to go no. do live yeah, yoga. You find Chances. a place. You find a place that's being safe, that's got their class numbers down, and you go and you don't worry about it. Folks, we are canceling Josh ourselves. Please, no lawyers contact <laughs> us. Nobody cancels on your channels, on your networks, on your social media. We will cancel oh, Josh God. on our own. Uh, Josh, Bell- Adam, we can't let this go on any further. Please give the us. The New World Order does not involve yoga classes. It does. Right, Josh? <laughs> Adam, Adam, give us something so we can get past this guy telling people to go out in public. You know what? I I don't think I ever have made my little show and tell be about fantasy football, but I'm doing it this week. Let's I'm go. really going to give a shout out to Drafters Fantasy Sports and their best ball tournaments uh, or tournament. Right now, they're only offering the one. Uh, each time one fills, they're offering another. This is now the second one that they're offering. But as far as like what a contest could be for best ball, they really did exactly what the quote unquote best ball community was asking for. I mean, you've got a contest that has a really relatively low buy-in. It's a $5 buy-in, a hundred max entries. So even if you wanted to max enter this, like it was DFS, you could do so. And it would only be 500 bucks. It's nothing insane. Um, and they're giving away, a $50,000 grand or sorry, guaranteed prize pool with a $10,000 grand prize. Like the, the pay structure is really flat across the board, which is something you don't often see in contests like this. And honestly, from an interface standpoint, I was someone who used the draft app a lot uh, in the past two years. It was a really great and convenient app um, that was so popular that FanDuel bought it. That being said, drafters has really, filled that hole in the space and uh, I just started using it about uh, a week ago and I've done half a dozen drafts or so so far Uh, and I think it's extremely user-friendly it's really easy to set rankings it's really easy to use both on your phone and on desktop Um, and yeah I mean I've been really happy with it and I obviously want to see it be able to continue because I'm a huge best ball player Um, that's really the majority of what I like to do for fantasy and these best ball contests, these like tournaments have been something that have been really exciting in the past few years um, because they do offer that, you know, huge grand prize potential, which typically best ball is just kind of churning out a profit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great contest. It's a great site. And I, I think that they, you know, could use all the promotion possible. And who knows? Maybe if we uh, keep talking about them, they'll, they'll give us some money to talk about. <laughs> I was just going to say, hey, uh, Drafters, that's your first one. It's free. It's on the house. 
uh, after that, we're gonna need you to slide some dough in our pockets. No, um, hey man, if it's Am a good product, a free yoga class, free yoga class. No, you don't get those. We actually need you to be arrested if you want to be honest. Um, <laughs> not a free anything. You're not getting out of jail on this one, buddy. Um, yeah, the Gestapo need to come. Out. Yeah, somebody needs to pay Josh a visit. There were masks. We're the thought police when we need them. <laughs> Josh, I cannot believe you do this stuff, man. Josh See, is just out there living life on the fucking It's good edge. for you. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> now you say it's good for you. Again, Josh is not a doctor. These are not yeah, professional. Seriously. These are not professional opinions, folks. Um, if you want to find Josh on Twitter because you want to hate tweet him, uh, get him banned from Twitter, anything at all, you would find Josh at JC Crocker. Correct, Josh? Yeah. That's correct. Is there anything yep. besides live yoga endorsements that you give them at Twitter, Josh? <laughs> no, no. It's mostly just yoga talk. And 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 uh, inside jokes that nobody gets. Inside um, jokes. That yeah, we want also- to be outside jokes, so download the podcast more. Um, Adam <laughs> can be found at the other FF guy, where he basically yeah. monitors Josh's tweets. Um, Just for the record, everyone, it doesn't have a question mark at the end of it, regardless of Neil's inflection. Because <laughs> I'm not really sure if you're the other FF guy or not. You know, just not sure. But it is meant he's basically just a monitor. Uh, a ha- you know those hallway monitors when you were in elementary school? He's that for Josh's Twitter. We just make sure he doesn't get out of line. <laughs> jo- Adam, Adam busts it, sends it over to me. We delete it. We get it taken care of. Uh, you can find me at Clock Dodgers on Twitter, Instagram, all those kind of things. Oh, man, we love Twitter. We love interacting with you guys. Send us questions. Send us anything you want. We will talk about it. We will debate about it. We will have lots of fun on it. If you have a guest that you want to see on the show, send recommendations. If you want a guest to return to the show, let us know. We got a bunch. Oh, we got a bunch of, um, I almost forgot this. We got a bunch of uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts, which I, I, I want to make sure I read these before we jump off of here. Because I did mention on Twitter, you know, guys, I always ask for reviews if you can give them. Because it helps the podcast grow. It helps listeners. If you're a person and you're just looking through the list, you're looking at fantasy football, you come across clock dodgers, you're like, what's this about? You look at the reviews, and if they see your review and it's nice and beautiful and positive, they go, you know what? I'm going to give that show a chance. So I did reach out on Twitter and say, hey, we're looking to hit 100. That's like the goal. That's a milestone. And, of course, a lot of awesome people who who follow the clock dodgers handle, who listen to the podcast, who, you know, we support and vice versa. They support us like crazy and we love it. Um, they were kind enough to go on there. So we were trying to get a hundred, which we only needed one. And um, more than that came through. So we're over a hundred now. Um, so I just want to shout out these people really quick. Cause they did go out of their way to do this um, at Justin. Well, actually what's his Twitter handle. Uh, it may be the same exact one, but if I can give their Twitter handles, if I remember them, um, I'll try to do it. Um, the first one was, at justin ff underscore he's on twitter he said uh this is an entertaining and informative as you can get you get to hear real inside stories and get to know the guys on a personal level this helps you open up your mind to their facts and sometimes opinions um just don't listen to yoga opinions uh oh shades i'm not sure which one this was on twitter i don't think it's the same twitter handle he said worth your time for sure if you're in a fancy football even a little bit Great advice, excellent guest, and a host who tactfully speaks his mind. I'm hoping he's talking about me. Um, we have, Definitely. Yeah, I hope he's talking about me. He could be talking about you and thinks you're the host and you're not. Um, Josh doesn't have tact. That's true. Unless you're a Kirk Cousins fan. Um, at Treemaster. Again, this is not the Twitter handle, I don't believe. Uh, he put, love these guys. Great guests and analysis. Awesome to hear them having fun with each other all the time. Ten stars if I could. Oh, what's the love is amazing, isn't it? 
And the last one, shout out to Austin. I'm sure you guys have all interacted with Austin on Twitter at this point because um, he, yeah. he he shows lots of love to the show. Um, if you if you don't, if you are listening, you don't know it's at Austin underscore G underscore H. Um, he's already given us a review, but he knew he needed to get to 100. He knew it was a goal. He knew he wanted to support the show at the highest level he could. So he said, you know what? I'll use my grandmother's phone and give you guys another review. And I said, and that right there is how you get to 10 stars. That's how you get to 10 <laughs> stars. And I said, you know what? I would love for you to do that. Make sure you sign it, Austin's grandmother, so we know. Uh, and so he said a lot of awesome stuff here. He said, the Clock Dodgers podcast is a quintessential lifestyle podcast that everyone needs in their lives. Anyone can give you stats about players, but Neil brings with him an A-plus rated cast of support co-stars who could each star in their own five-star podcast. Not to blow his ego too much, but Neil gets just the best possible guests anyone could possibly hope to have, i.e. Ray, GQ, Justin Edwards, and the godfather of fantasy football himself, Matthew Berry. Fantasy football is only one part of this podcast. Adam, Josh, and Neil delve into the depths of music, current events, items of interest, movies, TV shows that are must-see, and a host of other podcasts that range from comedy to the occasional murder podcast. You know you're a listener when you say murder podcast. I guarantee that this will be one of the most addictive parts of your podcast schedule. You can trust me on this because I'm Austin's grandmother. That's just facts, folks. That's just the facts. Thank you to all of you guys who left reviews. Um, I, I wish I can get everyone's Twitter handle that left it. I know, I believe one of them also was, um, damn, I can't think of the top of my head now. But shout out to all you guys. If I find you guys, I'll shout you up in future podcasts. I know I will find you guys um, because I remember you guys tweeting at me. Um, one of them was big, at Big Willie 13 I don't know which one of those names he was, though. Um, but yeah, thank you to you guys. If we continue to get, when we continue to get new reviews, we'll read them out loud. Maybe we'll go back and read some old ones. And some of you weird motherfuckers who change from five to two because you're just strange. But other than that, thank you guys. We appreciate it. We love it. If you haven't already, slap the subscribe button, drop us a five star review. Thank you for your unwavering support. Clock Dodgers, be kind, be great. Heat dots.